Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everyone. Today we are discussing Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 14, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. I'm your host, Madison. And I'm your host, Rebecca. And dragons! Dragons! Go! What do they say? Like, go dragon! Oh, hold on. Hold on. Oh, what is it? I don't know. I love it so much. I'm very sad. I don't know what it is. When the Weasley twins in Goblet of Fire, when the hornback, or hornback, when the horntail flies over the stands. Um, well the, done, dragon. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well done indeed, Norbert, for keeping everybody responsible on their toes this chapter. This was a wild ride. I don't know about responsible. <laughs> well... It was teaching the children to be responsible. Hagrid, on the other hand, <laughs> poor thing. Not so much. I guess they were breaking school rules. They're trying to help their friend. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important for them throughout the series to learn how to break school rules in order to do things that they decide are more important. Yes. Um, and this is just another great example. Mm-hmm. Also, I think we're up to like, what, three different creatures now who should not have been at Hogwarts? Yeah, we have uh, the troll, we have Fluffy, and we have Norbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just <laughs> building right through these. <laughs> and you know what? This is going to continue dramatically through the series because we have the Basilisk, we have Cornish Pixies, we have the um, uh, whoever delivers the Valentines. <laughs> There's And plus, I mean, Prisoner of Azkaban is the book of Care of Magical Creatures. Um, well, I mean, if you go into Cursed Child, we've also got the... Um, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> the trolley lady. <laughs> the trolley witch, who is more like the Babadook than the trolley witch. <laughs> um, you know who does not get enough time? What? Is the giant squid in the lake. Oh my god. You're absolutely correct. I love the giant squid in the lake. I appreciate that we have a giant squid because giant squids are real creatures that we know exist. And I think it would be so fun to be chilling out by the lake and like, you know, tickling the little tentacles of the giant squid as it's sunbathing. That's a dream of mine. Goals, ultimate goals. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't see the giant squid in this chapter. We get dragons. We Yes, we get dragons. We get um, a little crescendo in the, um, mystery and the intensity of Snape is going to steal something. Quirrell is the only barrier we have against Snape getting the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, and (laughs) I think it's really funny that they are so, they don't, you know, they don't know what Snape would do with it. They just don't want Snape to steal this really powerful object because he's so mean. And (laughs) I I just, I love that. (laughs) They're like, he's definitely not up to anything good. Mm-mm. Like, we don't know what he's going to do with it, but we don't want him to do whatever his plans are. Which ends up being very helpful for Harry later on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He doesn't, he doesn't die until he's supposed to. <laughs> so, or supposed to, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that eventually, but it's jumping way ahead of ourselves. Way ahead. So anyway, <laughs> we get dragons, we get some more Snape's evil plot, we get some, um, we're being really nice to Quirrell because he's having a hard time, he has to stand up to Snape, so we're going to be really nice to him and defend him as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we, um, we get Charlie Weasley. Yes. And we get Draco getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And we end off with them about to be in trouble with the, the three kids. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot. It's a lot for one chapter. It's quite a bit happens and it's all, it's high paced and it's exciting. And I, I, it's, this is like the, I wish we had spent more time developing this plot with Norbert, like throughout, you know, maybe like mm-hmm. the chapter after we get to uh, Hogwarts, you know, Harry's first week and Hagrid already has a, a dragon with him. I know it's cause he, trades it for information on Fluffy, but, um, mm-hmm. but still, I think it, it would have been really interesting to see them like helping out Hagrid through the whole book with getting the egg yeah. ready. That'd be so cute. Or at least like two or three chapters. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, I wish we had just a little bit more, 
like, I don't know. I wish it was just a little more evened out here. Yeah. I feel like in the later books, part of what their length allows is you have all of these different threads that they're dealing with where you have the main problem, but then you also have, oh, but also Harry's not supposed to go to Hogsmeade. And also (laughs) we've got Quidditch coming up and my broom got smashed. And also, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, So I'm I'm missing that, but, you know, it's making me continue to look forward to the future books. True. I think it's fun to start off a series with something that's more fast-paced and more, like, exciting, I guess. Yeah, because it's such an easy read. It is. It's a fun chapter. It is. And it's got several good spots where we found some Patronus fuel, I think. I agree. We have... Ron has some quippiness that's not as mean as he's been over the past few chapters, <laughs> where Hermione is saying 10 weeks is like a second to Nicholas Flamel. And Ron's like, but we're not 600 years old, Hermione. And <laughs> I, that's, these are the jokes that I'm here for. I don't want, I don't want meanness. I don't want, you know, don't tell anybody they're nagging you. Just use your wits for good, not mm-hmm. patriarchy. Yeah, and it wasn't that he snapped that at her like we got in the last couple chapters. It right. was just like, a, okay, Hermione, but like, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> Which, legitimate thing to say to your friend who is panicking about final exams. like Exactly. Because if you're panicking about final exams, panic is not going to help. <laughs> no, no. Especially if you have 10 weeks. It'll be okay. That's a lot you of have time. time. It'll be okay. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> And stressing about it 10 weeks in advance is not going to, it's not going to help anybody. No, no. It's just going to make it, make it more difficult for you and everybody who you infect with your stress. Yes. As somebody who has had generalized anxiety disorder for a very long time and has taken many tests with it, the panicking ahead of time does not help. No, unfortunately. (laughs) Speaking of the test anxiety and stuff though I do love her notes and everything I love how organized she is and she does color-coded notes and everything and it's just I love I love the vibes I love that she's just prepared for everything and she's color-coding everything and she has charts graphs and things and it's just it's all good Mm. I love it I bet in if we had a modern like you know this this story was taking place in 2020 I think Mm -hmm. Hermione would be a bullet journaler Oh, for sure. Do like spreads and like, (laughs) you know, have these like things like ghouls and goblins with cute flowers around it on the the header for her notes. That would be iconic. She would have the most beautiful looking Google calendar. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Everything dated, everything color coded, everything with the address where it's supposed to be guests invited, Harry and Ron invited to the study <laughs> sessions. It'd be great. Other Vertrona stool would be Norbert, who is actually, we find out much later on, is Norberta. But um, going from this chapter here, we know her as Norbert, mm-hmm. and she is baby. She's incredible, and I love her. She is spicy cinnamon roll. She is drinking blood and eating rats like all baby dragons should she's got like strong baby yoda vibes yes oh my gosh oh (laughs) so small but so powerful yeah so good oh my gosh norbert like there's there's nothing to say like norbert's great norbert is a baby dragon doing what baby dragons do best and that's precious to see and Although it gets our lovely main characters into a lot of trouble, it's kind of fun to see the chaos that Norbert creates because it's funny how tiny things create big problems. Yes. It's very like, I mean, it it is very similar to like Baby Yoda and like Baby Groot Mm -hmm. where they're just like these cute little characters, but then like it's such a hassle to like carry them around and take care of them. So it's just like we have all of this going on and now we have to take care of a baby. (laughs) Like a destructive baby. Which I love that. It's precious. <laughs> I'm I'm cool with that. I'm cool with adding chaos in the form of a very cute little baby. hundred <laughs> percent. Um speaking of Norbert, 
Uh, Hermione's response to finding a dragon inside of Hagrid's hut is validly, Hagrid, you live in a wooden house. <laughs> Which is just the kindest way to say, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I love it so much. <laughs> it's, I mean, she's right. She's very right. <laughs> it's not even really a house. We've, From what we've seen and heard, it is a studio situation it is one room Mm -hmm. with some walls around it and the walls are made of wood yes so problematic very very problematic movie hagrid's hut was made out of stone and that would probably be fine yes but um canonically he lives in a wooden hut so (laughs) this makes me feel like living in a studio apartment with my chihuahua mix is a lot like living in a small shed with the baby dragon i just i don't know why i saw that reflection but it's there and i can't do anything (laughs) about it (laughs) i think that's fair she's very loud she doesn't breathe fire but you know she'll knock the walls down with her voice so she's got that personality yes that chihuahua feistiness cute baby animals small teensy things make this chapter amazing on all counts really like uh, five out of five I want more creatures but I want more cute creatures like Norbert and not trolls I really wish we could get just a lot more stories from Charlie about mm-hmm. his time with dragons yes that would be that would be perfect mm. <laughs> if we dive into enchantingly nasty one of the things I wanted to talk about is the um upsetting lack of charlie weasley in this chapter Mm -hmm. where we get his letter and his friends come to pick up norbert but charlie weasley is a freaking dragon tamer why why do we only see him like three times throughout the series i don't understand she literally made like the coolest character possible and then gave us like none of it yeah it's so sad (laughs) and his letter in this chapter is incredible he Gets a letter from his 11-year-old younger brother saying, hey, there's a dragon here. Um, Can you help us fly it to Romania, maybe? (laughs) And rather than being like, what are you getting up to? You need to talk to Dumbledore, like, being responsible, like Percy or somebody would have said. He's just like, hey, how's it going? Like, yeah, I would love to take this dragon. Couple issues, but we can work it out. Sounds great. See you. Like, talk to you later. (laughs) Which is incredible. This I love is him. Older brother goals. It really is. Can you imagine just being a dragonologist? <sighs> it, it sounds dreamy. Like, I feel like everybody has that, like, I want to be a marine biologist feeling at some point in their lives. Yes. Could dragonologists be the equivalent in the wizarding world? I think so. It's like a more, a more dangerous version. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yes. <laughs> Um, so, and we want more Charlie, and I would also like more involvement from Dumbledore in the happenings of day-to-day life at the school. Um, yeah, we have no idea what Dumbledore's doing at all. No, he's just not here for the whole book, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione are literally solving a mystery and protecting the world from the return of the Dark Lord, so could use some adult supervision and... Uh, participation in this situation. Yeah. Also, dragon. Yeah. <laughs> he should know that there is a dragon on his campus. Right. Why isn't he... What He needs to be offering support to Hagrid, clearly, because Hagrid is going out and, like, bringing... He's smuggling illegal <laughs> exotic animals into the Hogwarts grounds. Like, you need to not let that happen as the headmaster. That's your responsibility if one of the kids gets burned or bitten, which does happen. Mm-hmm. Although Ron definitely is just like, ha nope, this was definitely a dog. And Madame Pomfrey is like, yeah. <laughs> There's not even any dogs there. <laughs> like, you think Fang did this? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Fang bit me and then my hand turned green. I don't know what happened. That seems about right. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's just a, just a mild infection. <laughs> just, just doubling in size. It's fine. I do love... Madame Pomfrey, just throughout the series, is a very good... I think she's a nurse, technically, but she's 
basically a doctor for everything there. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what her actual qualifications are, but she's very talented at whatever she's doing. Right. And she's very, like, chill. Like, she's, like, not going to report the kids for all these things that she should probably be reporting them for Mm -hmm. which like on one hand you could see as like maybe a bad thing of like she should be um updating adults and things like that but on the other hand i think it makes it easier for the kids to seek medical attention yeah um like especially like whenever hermione turns into a cat like she was doing a potion that she should not have been doing at all Mm -mm. from like a book that was from the restricted section so i think it's it's important that she's a very good adult for them to go to where they don't feel like they need to hide these like super bad medical things yeah um in order to be safe they feel comfortable going to her for help um without being afraid that it's going to get them in more trouble which is super cool hogwarts has its failings but they do adhere to hipaa at least so their their uh, privacy is safe with Madame Pomfrey unless, you know, I'm sure if there were something that were like, you know. Uh, if it was a danger to other students, I think right. she would for sure be. But if she can tell that this is just like kids maybe messing around with magic that they shouldn't be, you know, mm-hmm. that's the teacher should know that's going to happen sometimes. So, yeah. And she like. I mean, she warns him and stuff. Like, whenever Harry comes in with his um, his arm all boneless, and she's just like, you should have come in to me first, and all this. So it's like, she does talk to them and tell them, like, what you did wrong. Yeah. So that they don't do it again, which is, I think it's perfect. I think she's a great adult in the series, which we don't have a lot of. No. Poppy Pomfrey is 10 out of 10 non-negligent adult seen a lot of stuff shipping her with um Sprout. yes yeah um i've seen stuff shipping them and i love it so much i think that's precious because i feel like yeah. sprout is also a really good teacher yeah and they work together to do the um the mandrake stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's very cute i love it that's adorable. <laughs> not relevant at all but i love it <laughs> we have some sparks of of patronus fuel in the midst of our enchantingly nasty that doesn't always happen <laughs> No, usually it's the opposite. <laughs> Normally there's like bad stuff everywhere. <laughs> We're just drowning so. in it. Today, not today. Not today. We have a fun chapter. We have dragons. Yes. Dragons make everything better. Absolutely. Even super dangerous bites <laughs> that are poisonous and making our hands swell. Yeah. No. Which is actually what happened to me when I got stung by a bee. <gasps> My hands swelled up super big and I went to the clinic and they were like, oh, it's an infection. I was like, that's weird. Oh. And they gave me antibiotics and it did nothing. Oh. And I went to my actual doctor and he's like, no, you're just allergic to bees. <laughs> and he gave me a steroid shot and it immediately went away. Hey, so there we go. a week being itchy and swollen for no reason. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is, what? An infection? Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Moral of the story, don't go to clinics on weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Not relevant at all. But. Go to Madame Pomfrey. Yes, Madame Pomfrey would never have given me unnecessary antibiotics. Ugh, the worst. The worst. In this chapter, this is a running theme now, and that's what makes it even more frustrating for me. But um, Harry and Ron go from a few chapters ago saying that it was great to have Hermione as a friend because she was helping them with their homework. With their homework. And that's not a great reason to be friends with somebody. <laughs> sure. And uh, we already talked about that in, I think, chapter 11. And it's just not cool. Yeah. Um, But anyway, we went from that to now being super annoyed with Hermione for helping them with their homework. Are you just never happy with her? Like, she's one of the best characters in the series, easily. She's the only one who's being reasonable this entire chapter. Mm -hmm. She's being a little irrational with how intense she is with the testing. But she's... You know, she's trying really hard, and she just wants to do well. They're at school. They have a big exam coming up. She's just trying to help them study, and they're, like, just super annoyed. And I think they say that um, she's driving them mad or something oh, like that. God. Already a little problematic. Again, this was written in the 90s, so not as, you know, politically correct back then. Mm-hmm. But saying that somebody is driving you mad or driving you crazy or anything like that, not a good thing to say. 
Um, there are people who have severe mental illness and saying things like that is very alienating and ostracizing and it's not good. Mm-mm. Um, so saying that somebody who is just trying to help you with your homework is doing that is just like ridiculous. Yeah. It's very frustrating. And these kids are having a great time. They all seem to be miraculously very mentally stable. And yet they're just like, oh, she's driving us crazy because she wants us to do our homework. And it's like, I hate it so much because I love Hermione so much. And I think that she's being just one of the most reasonable characters here. She's the only one who's being a little rational here. She's not trying to go off and do ridiculous things. And, I mean, she's still helping them with their, like, adventures and things. She's still on board with all the adventures. But for some reason, we just want to be mad at her for also being good at school. It just doesn't feel like there can be a win for Hermione. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard because this goes, like... This kind of stuff happens throughout the books. Like, there's always this, like, but there's this thing Hermione is doing, and it's just making us so mad. And often, it's not something that she's doing wrong at all. It's just her existing mm-hmm. as a rational human being, and Harry and Ron, like, wishing they didn't have somebody trying to take care of them. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I think maybe it's um, partially just them being away from home or something and they're just like, oh, we don't have parents anymore. So now we're in charge. And then they have Hermione who's just like being the mom friend and they're just like, no, we want to be irrational and stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, they're 11. So I don't think that they should get to just be irrational and stupid just because they want to. (laughs) No. And they could, you know, they could say... Thank you, Hermione, for thinking of us. We know you care about us and the grades we get, and we really appreciate it. For us, this feels like, you know, a lot of pressure coming from you. And um, is there a compromise we can make, or can you back off? You know, like, yeah, there's a way to handle it maturely. And uh, I don't know if they can do that when they're 11, but they definitely don't. They should be able to as they get older, and they never do. So, yeah, it's a... It's a running theme, for sure. They are inherently flawed characters, and that's okay. I think that um, it's not as much of a thing anymore, but definitely back in the 90s, there was that kind of, like, nerd stereotype, and, like, people would dress up as, like, nerds for Halloween and stuff. There's, like, there's always some, like, super geek or whatever that everyone would kind of make fun of, and then they would turn out to be, like, super good at something, and that's when they would be redeemed. And I think that that's kind of something that um, it's a trope that's kind of in play here a little bit. Definitely. Which is sad because, like, Hermione is so much more than just, like, some random trope that you can throw in here. She's... I want her to be more than it anyway. (laughs) I I think she absolutely is. It's, you know, I think, what do we say? Was it the episode with Anna where you're talking about a lot of Hermione is what we put into her, what makes her so great? So, mm-hmm. I stand by that. Yes. Hermione's queen. She's incredible. And Ron and Harry are just stupid, dumb 11-year-old boys. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> so, I guess for this week's Accio Phantom, um, we have a lovely song um, from Tonks and the Aurors about Charlie Weasley. Because who doesn't need more Charlie Weasley content? Honestly, we all need more Charlie Weasley content. Um, So the song is called 1991, Charlie Weasley. And it is all about how dreamy Charlie Weasley is, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, With a lot of Wizard Rock... Wizard? 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 Yeah. Wizard Rock songs. Um, (laughs) With a lot of songs about Harry Potter. They are from the perspective of different characters. Um, as you can tell by the name of Tonks and Wars, this is from the perspective of Tonks. And it's about um, just thinking that Charlie Weasley is so cute and so great. And we agree. He's incredible. Absolutely. Um, but in a song, <laughs> basically, though, we get to the point where Charlie's not a great boyfriend because he's just in love with dragons. And... Honestly, what more could you want from a song? Right. Than just saying, Charlie Weasley, you're not, you're not great at being, being my boyfriend, but like, you really do love them dragons. Uh. 
also love Dragons and Charlie Weasley, and it's incredible. Um, this song I especially love because it plays into the headcanon that I think I talked about last week, maybe, possibly. Um, and if not, I should have. But um, of Charlie Weasley being asexual, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite headcanons. I think it's super cool. There's not a lot of characters where we can kind of, like, see that being a possibility. But with Charlie Weasley, it's definitely, definitely an option out there. Oh. And I love it. And this song literally just says, Charlie Weasley doesn't really love me, he only loves his dragons. And that is just one of my favorite lyrics from a song ever. Um, (laughs) I think we were talking about it earlier, but we don't get enough Charlie Weasley at all. So I think that's why we wanted to use this for our Occupy fandom. It's just because we need to bring more Charlie Weasley into the world. Yes, 100%. It's it's very important that we bring more Charlie Weasley into this world. Yeah, so... Listen to this song on Spotify or probably on YouTube. Um, Mm -hmm. It's sweet and everybody needs more wizard rock in their lives. So definitely listen because it's adorable and I command it. So you can also find it on the your wizard rock resource Mm, website, like WordPress thing. Um, It's got all the lyrics and everything. And also just check out Toxin Ors in general because she's incredible and it's a very, I think it's a very relevant um, page right now. She shares a lot of um, stuff that's got really cool like feminist views and there's some like Tax the Malfoy stuff. There's some um, Yes All Witches is one of the things that she has like on her banner all the time. It's very cool. Mm. And there's just very cute videos of her like singing at libraries with these little girls singing Yes All Witches and it's incredible and it makes me very happy and I love it. <laughs> so go see it. Yes. Anytime you have a chance to look at anything talks and yours, I highly recommend it. So this week in the Department of Social Justice, there have been a few issues brought to the table about a variety of things. Um, First and foremost, the exotic animal trade is bad in the muggle world, and it is also bad in the wizarding world, and it's, like, to preface this whole, like, section with, like, we love Hagrid so much, but, like, this was, you know, this was not a great move by Hagrid. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Um, Like, it hurts me to say anything negative about Hagrid, because I love him so much. But generally not a good idea to accept um, dragon eggs from strangers when you live on school grounds mm-hmm. with children. And also when it's super illegal to own them. Um, and then it's also probably not a good idea to show that dragon to these children who are living here. No. Just just bad ideas all around. Um, and if you hadn't shown them, I don't know what would have happened. Because they did end up kind of taking responsibility for solving the whole situation Mm -mm. it's frustrating that he involved them especially because it doesn't seem like he had a real plan for what he was gonna do where like if he had had this plan of like okay like i know i can't keep this dragon around but i have this friend who i can you know have come pick it up at some point and it'll be fine but you know the, the trio was the one who figured out how to get norbert somewhere safer it wasn't Hagrid who did that and so like Harry um Harry Ron and Hermione are having to take care of Hagrid and it's it's not great for an adult to put a child in a situation where they have to take care of the adult like uh, mm-hmm. especially somebody so young like 11 years old is really young um and I think sometimes I don't want to like put the put the you know bring the hammer down and say like there's never a time when it's uh, okay for a child to help an adult ever, um, but not not when like Ron ends up getting bitten, <laughs> like Fang gets yeah. hurt. We see him like sitting outside with a bandage, and then Harry and Hermione get detention for being involved in this. So like you know this oh man it's it's hard to see like even a small moment where the kids have to kind of act like the adults. Um, But, you know, still love Hagrid, obviously. Yes. Obviously still love Hagrid, but it's definitely concerning. Mm -hmm. Um, Hagrid is the adult here, and we know that he is responsible in a lot of aspects, and it's just kind of frustrating to see him being 
so irresponsible. Yeah. Because, like, he, he's thought through a lot of the aspects of, like, how to take care of the dragon. He's done his research on all that. But he doesn't seem to have even thought about the fact that it's illegal. And right. if he gets caught, like, very bad things can happen. <laughs> I'm sure we all remember what happens the last time, at least we know of, that he brought an egg into Hogwarts and hatched it when he wasn't supposed to. Like Exactly. You know. Like... Of all people, he should know better. Yeah. Just wish wish this one could have been a little better, Taggy, but next time. Next time. <laughs> there will be a next time. There will. There will be many next times. Speaking, though, of him raising little baby Norbert Norberto, mm-hmm. um, he refers himself as Norbert's uh, mom or mummy. And on one hand, if we're going with our super awesome headcanon that we stole from the Gaily Prophet of Hagrid being trans, then this is one of those um, scenes where that's, like, super sweet and wholesome. Mm -hmm. And, like, you can really see, like, where that headcanon kind of stemmed from, um, which is awesome. However, we know J.K. Rowling. We know the 90s. And that's probably not um, the original intention. No. Um, And just since we're in our Department of Social Justice here. Um, I think if you look more into it, then aside from the potential very nice, wholesome headcanon view, um, which I would like to pretend is real, (laughs) if we're going to dive into it a little bit more, more likely the situation was that Hagrid was hatching and raising this child, and so he had to, of course, be a mom because only women can raise children. Um, which is just a super unfortunate uh, gender role that's enforced, and it's <sighs> it's unnecessary. Yeah. Um, because dads can raise babies on their own. Dads can raise children on their own. It's not something that needs to be gendered at all. Um, and there's just there's really no reason for it to have been that way. So that's one of the reasons I would love to just kind of cling on to the headcanon because it does make the text feel better. Yes. Is if you just um, just stick with the headcanon, then it's not it's not so bad. But um, and I think that there's like you could say that like it's just like he's just saying that because like the moms are who hatch the babies and stuff like that or whatever. But it's still I think it's just unnecessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's it plays into a lot of the kind of weird messages and maybe really heavy-handed messages about motherhood and what it means that really reinforce the gender binary. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, I don't, I don't have words. It just, it's really, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. See I think that, yeah. Um, in, so whenever we first brought this headcanon, hopefully you all checked out the um, episode of Gay the Prophet that we're talking about where this came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of their reasonings behind the headcanon is that is this scene and the fact that the scene would have been just as effective if he had said he knows his papa instead of he knows his mother. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he chose to say that instead is, like, it, it seems very intentional. Mm-hmm. And so just knowing what we know about the times and knowing what we know about the author, it just seems like an, un- it's a very obvious way of just being like, Ooh, gender roles. Reminding we'll you some like, of those in there. <laughs> mothers are nurturing. Mothers take care of babies. Mm-hmm. Branching off a little bit from Hagrid, because I would just like to pretend that Hagrid is good and pure and perfect in all ways. <laughs> um, we'll talk about something else, <laughs> which is, uh, when we were speaking about, um, how dragons are living out in the wild then it's mentioned that there are wild dragons in britain but that we're just erasing the memories of muggles who see them um and it's i believe ron says that it happens a lot which is not surprising if they're trying to cover up dragons living in britain which is not a large place Mm -hmm. and dragons are large (laughs) yes like, it's not like they're just, like, up living in Alaska or something. Like, they're where people are living. Yeah. Yeah. So, not that there's not people living in Alaska, but you get 
Um, <laughs> in major metropolitan areas, not far away, you can probably find dragons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're just memory wiping people, and that's something that happens with a lot of situations throughout the book. So it's just anytime something happens where Muggles might find out, it's just like, it's okay, the Ministry went and wiped their memory. Mm-hmm. Which seems very drastic yeah. to me, because that's just such a, like an invasion. Mm-hmm. To just take somebody's memories away. Um, and it's so common and just like not even thought about for these, um, for like the ministry and the wizards. And it's very, I don't know, I think it's pretty problematic because these are like people's memories. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like to me, it seems very obviously bad. And I know that like, I don't know how else. They would kind of explain things to muggles. I don't know how else they would kind of fix this and everything. But, you know, maybe not have, I don't know, maybe keep the dragons somewhere different. Yeah. Not that I want to keep the dragons out of their natural lands. But, like, why did we ever, why couldn't we just have dragons be a non-magical creature? (laughs) We could just pretend that they're, like, narwhals or something. They're like, yeah, that's a weird creature, but, like, it's totally normal. (laughs) Not magic at all. There's got to be ways to, like, plant things that could, you know, suggest maybe there is a, I don't know, uh, um, an eccentric inventor who makes very realistic mechanical dragons that will sometimes be seen around certain areas or, you know, like, start a rumor of some kind, like, or even if it has to be a spell that is, like, messing with the memory, maybe there's a charm. Like, when people come up to Hogwarts and they're like, oh, shit, I forgot. I had a cake in the oven. Uh, You know. Yeah, exactly. Go see a dragon. Remember, you have, you know, a cake in the oven or whatever it is. So that um, it it just feels like getting inside somebody's head that way and changing their mind and their memory feels like a violation. Um, Exactly. So let's, you know, bring this one to the Human Rights Council, perhaps. (laughs) Um, yeah, and I think that, because it's also just an issue from a mental health standpoint of taking people's memories and leaving them with memory gaps um, can cause a lot of problems because memory gaps are usually not easy to deal with if you're having them. Mm. Um, They can be a sign of bigger issues. They don't necessarily have to be, but in some cases they are. So a lot of people, if they start having memory gaps, get very worried they get very anxious they're confused um i mean look at what happened with with Mm jenny whenever she was under the um under the spell of tom riddle then she didn't remember what was happening and she was freaking out because these like terrible things were happening and she didn't remember where she was so like imagine that you just were supposed to be going off into britain to some field and then you just don't remember what happened yeah like that would be pretty freaking scary Mm -hmm. and it's just something that i think is it's wild to me that they don't even consider the fact that that's not cool (laughs) right it's a much needed change in wizarding society yeah put it mildly you don't have to wipe everybody's memories Mm -hmm. come up with more creative solutions we have magic yes if we have magic let's not just be thick let's ah But there should be some sort of, like, cloaking thing of, like, anytime you look at it, it looks like something else. Seriously. You know? Like, they put trackers in great white sharks, so they could do some kind of spell tracker with dragons that they find so that they have some kind of cloaking or, you know, uh, disguise. (laughs) It could look like airplanes. (laughs) Ooh, or, like, um, with the, with the, oh, where was it? The... Grimald Place, I think. Yeah. The one where anytime that um, they walk by it, they just don't see it. Their eye just moves mm-hmm. right across from it. Yes. If they could do something like that on dragons, that would be perfect. Yeah. We don't have to just like wipe people's memories because I feel like when when you have this as kind of like a standard of something that's okay, it, it makes it harder for me to be really extremely frustrated with like Lockhart now, mm-hmm. it's still obviously a violation what he's doing, but like 
if this is something that's commonly practiced by the government, like there's a total social norm that this is something that's okay. And if he is stealing their memories and using them for himself, you know, there's, there's a little bit of like, okay, well, like you've really set it up for him to do this and made it easy for him to do this. So, you know, there's, uh, not that he, you know, not that he isn't responsible for that, but, mm-hmm. but the, you know, there is a little bit of responsibility toward the institutions that do these things that allow somebody to think that's okay to do that. Exactly. So today for Chocolate with Madame Pomfrey, I am going to re-begin ranting about Dumbledore. Um not for anything that he does in this chapter, but kind of for the very fact that he's not in it at all. And mm-hmm. we haven't heard anything from him, like, since the Halloween feast or Christmas. You know, he's he's not been around um, since the Mirror of Era said. And yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that happens in this chapter that I feel like happens because of Dumbledore and Hogwarts as an institution kind of neglecting the needs of the students and the faculty. Like, Hagrid, you know, bless him. It, if he is going off and, like, getting drunk and uh, getting a, a dragon's egg from a stranger, you know, he probably, there's probably some more oversight that could have happened that could have prevented that. Maybe he needs somebody to talk to so he's not being reckless. Like, I I just feel like that in and of itself could have been stopped if Dumbledore were closer to Hagrid or if Hagrid had access to some different kind of resource. I don't know. That just, that feels kind of like a, this one's slightly on Dumbledore situation. I think I also just want to put everything on Dumbledore. True. Very fair. (laughs) (laughs) I agree though. I think it's definitely weird how little he's around because we always get the response of like, Dumbledore always knows what's going on, even if he's not around. And, like, if that's true, then, like, it's even more messed up because we're really supposed, like, it's implied that Dumbledore always knows what's going on. Like, I mean, he knew whenever um, Harry was visiting the Miravera said multiple times, um, and we didn't know that until he came in and said it. But we're supposed to, I mean, it's heavily implied that he kind of sees what's going on everywhere. Right. And if that's true, then he's ignoring a lot of stuff that he should not be ignoring. Yeah. (laughs) Majorly. Well... It's like we know from um, the prince's tale in Deathly Hallows that he is told Snape to keep an eye on Quirrell. So he he knows that something is up with Quirrell, something dangerous. But mm-hmm. he's not like he's not himself going in and doing anything about it. He's having Snape do this work and like you know, we know that Snape can't be trusted because he is a former Death Eater, regardless of what Dumbledore thinks. Like, you should not put mm-hmm. that person in charge of investigating other people. Um, <laughs> like, so I looked up a little bit about um, institutional neglect because, like, Dumbledore's not, like, the parent of these people, so his responsibilities are a little different. Um, Mm -hmm. but it just felt important to like kind of look at that and the different things we can do to prevent it. Um, so there's different kinds of neglect. And I think that we see a few here. We see physical neglect when an adult fails to provide necessary food, shelter, or appropriate supervision. Um, you know, maybe he is supervising them, but they, it doesn't seem like it. Like we, they would, they have no idea. As of now. I mean, Ron's literally getting bitten by a dragon. Right. Um, that should not be happening. Mm-mm, not at all. Which <laughs> leads to n- medical neglect when an adult fails to provide <laughs> necessary medical or mental health treatment. Um, you know, I, I don't think we need to say anything else about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've said enough. Um, but yeah, obviously there is not necessary mental health treatment at Hogwarts. Um and um, emotional neglect when an adult fails to provide attention to a child's emotional needs, fails to provide psychological care. Um, you know, we know that these kids don't have an outlet for already the terrifying things that they have witnessed. And, uh, you know, it's it's shitty that these kids are going through this and that Harry is... Um, 
like you said, when we were talking beforehand, he's gone from an environment that was very neglectful and abusive to an environment that is slightly less neglectful. And mm-hmm. he just feels like, oh, this is great. Yeah, and that happens a lot with people who leave bad situations is that anytime it's they come into a better situation, they're looking at all these reasons that it's better and they're not necessarily capable of seeing what isn't better and what could improve still. Um, So I think that it's very... Poor Harry. (laughs) Um, Harry is so in love with the idea of Hogwarts and in love with the idea of being away from the Dursleys and being able to be himself and having all this magic around him that he's not able to see that Dumbledore is not being good for him and that's something that we see throughout the whole series as well um is that he trusts Dumbledore for a very long time without being given any reason to trust Dumbledore aside from the fact that Dumbledore is in charge of the school that he loves essentially but like I mean Dumbledore put him at the Dursleys and later on he tells us that like yeah that's because like it was your family so like the spell was able to protect you while you were there but, like, you can't just tell that to a kid after they've grown up and expect them to have trusted you all along. Mm. No. Like, it's just, there's a lot of stuff that Dumbledore expects of people that isn't fair. Absolutely. You know, the implications that this kind of situation has for everybody reading the books. Um, mm-hmm. Especially for people who are very, very invested and, you know, uh, that it's a very important part of their lives. And I feel like the fact that we don't really see the problems at Hogwarts, like the issues of neglect and endangerment, um, Mm -hmm. they're never really explicitly laid out as like, hey, this is a problem with Hogwarts. You know, this place is not, um, this place is not actually a perfect place for a child to be nurtured and cared for and learn at. And it has some pretty serious problems then you get the idea that Hogwarts is perfect and um, because these are kids books, you know, kids can't necessarily um, draw the conclusion that they need to know that Hogwarts actually is like a really chaotic, terrifying place. Um, (laughs) And, you know, this is, I'm not saying that like reading Harry Potter will train people to accept less than they deserve from the people who are, you know, around them and, Mm-hmm. taking care of them. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's like you said earlier, it, it sets this precedent that, like, yeah, the Dursleys are bad, but look at Hogwarts, and this is fine. This is okay. And um, it would be really helpful to see more criticism of Hogwarts that doesn't come from someone like Lucius Malfoy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. He's the only voice we have critiquing it, and he's a Death Eater, and... If you critique Hogwarts, you must be a Death Eater. You know, there's... Mm -hmm. We could use some variety of voices so that um, we make sure to have the, I don't know, more healthy impressions and realistic impressions about what Hogwarts is to its students, especially while Dumbledore is headmaster. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's just... I just thought about it, but, like, I think this was written at a time when the author was out of a bad relationship, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe it's just something that she was not able to recognize herself. Mm. That, like, just because you go to a situation that's better doesn't mean that everything's fixed and good. Yeah. So just because you're leaving a really bad situation and going to this cool magic school doesn't mean that the bad things going on aren't bad. And it doesn't mean that you should just accept it. And I think that, obviously, the kids figure out that, you know, there's some bad stuff. Sure. They figure out that um, Snape is bad. They figure out that um, he's trying to get this stone and he's a Death Eater and all these things. So they see these bad parts of it, but I don't know that necessarily they've connected with the fact that Hogwarts as an institution is not doing enough to help them. And that this isn't their responsibility. It's not their job to keep their school safe. It's not their job to keep their teachers safe and it's not their job to keep 
um, these dangerous creatures out of the school. Mm-hmm. Like, they single-handedly fought the troll. They single-handedly handled um, Norbert getting back to an actual safe and legal place for him to be. Um, and they're they're taking a lot of responsibility that it seems like they feel the need to take that they shouldn't feel the need to take. Mm-hmm. Um, the beginning of a so dangerous wanna, precedent. Yeah. Like, they feel so responsible for these things that they don't even... Like, whenever they figured out that it was the stone and everything, um, we see in this chapter, Hagrid comes into the library and says, you're not still looking up things about... Um, think, trying to figure out who Nicholas Fumel is, right? And they're like, oh, we already know who that is. We already know that it's a stone. We already know all this stuff. We know what he does. Um... So they hadn't even told Hagrid that they learned all of this yeah. stuff. Like, they are just fully handling it on their own without asking anybody for help, without going to anybody um, to try and find things. Like, they're they're really just totally comfortable taking full responsibility for this, which is <laughs> not not good. No. Like, they're, they're very, very young children. Their needs... And it's very sad that they feel the need to do that. I wish that there was this place where, like, you know, when Hagrid or McGonagall hears that they know about the Sorcerer's Stone, you know, there's somebody who can serve to, like, talk to them and, you know, answer their questions and tell them, like, yeah, it is the Sorcerer's Stone and da-da-da-da-da, here's what it is. You you know, like, it never should have been that they could figure it out in the first place, but there's, there's, there's no resource for them to go to to, like make sure that they know that somebody does have this taken care of because honestly nobody does have it taken care of yeah i think that we get a little bit of an improvement in that in the next book um whenever we're, we're talking about the chamber of secrets yes um but that's because it's written in blood on the wall right. like i mean it's like very <laughs> like everyone knows now that the chamber of secrets is a thing so everyone's trying to figure it out yeah and so I think in the books, it's Professor Binns, and in the movie, it's McGonagall. Mm-hmm. But um, they are able to ask a teacher, like, what is that? And with some reluctance, the teachers do tell them, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. We've already looked all over the place. It doesn't exist. It's under control. That's not true. However, it is, it's more than we get in this book. Yeah. Well, they have to think a little bit on why they completely, you know, they don't talk to an adult at all about this situation. And maybe it's because of mm-hmm. Hagrid's initial reaction. Um, you know, if Hagrid doesn't believe them, then who will? Yeah. I think part of it is that they just are having fun, having an adventure and they don't realize the seriousness of it. True. Very true. Um, Cause we did, I mean, they literally told us like, it was a really great adventure finding <laughs> this giant three headed dog and we can't wait to have another adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so part of it is totally on them yeah. being stupid that's kids. That's so funny because that is what that's like. Like when I would go urban exploring when I was a kid and we would be, you know, climbing around on the second floor of this abandoned house where the walls were mm-hmm. falling in and the floor was definitely <laughs> not safe to be walking on. But we got done and we were like, man, let's go. Let's go get some Indian food in Sonic. Like that was really fun. And if you told an adult what you were doing, they would be like, excuse me, that is not safe. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it's like. I mean, so yeah, definitely large portions of this are on the kids. (laughs) Um, But, you know, maybe aside from having a giant three-headed dog blocking this, we could also have, like, a guard, like a a wizard person there. Sir Kadagan. That would be. Oh, my God, yes. Even just a painting, yeah. just like watching to make sure nobody's going in there. Mm. That would be so easy. They make it password to do. protected or some shit. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we have like a painting just blocking the Gryffindor common room. Why don't we have one blocking the three-headed dog? <laughs> we just have Alohomora. That's all it takes. Yeah, it wasn't even like a difficult unlocking spell. Mm-hmm. Like we get later on in the um, once they get into it past the dog, then it's like, ooh, Alohomora won't work. Why does it work on the first door? doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I guess to step into the pensive and re- to reflect on this chaos that we have encountered in this chapter, and the <laughs> lack of any help from adult figures, I feel so sad for Harry because 
this just feels like in some ways the end of his like ability to kind of just be a kid at Hogwarts and the leaping off point of taking on responsibility that shouldn't be his to bear. Um, Mm -hmm. From here on out, there's always going to be an active fight against Voldemort. And, um, you know, this is a cute, fun chapter, but also as an adult, you're like, damn, like these kids, this is, this is a lot for kids to be doing, like (laughs) smuggling an illegal exotic animal, uh, you know, managing a mystery where you think your teacher is trying to steal something from your principal. This is this is a lot all at once. It's um, it's weird because like looking at um the fact that like part of it is on on the kids. Um, the part with you know the actual sorcerer stone with the um dog and everything, that is all like something that we could see maybe being partly the kids fault they're just having an adventure they just think they're having a good time mm-hmm. but um that doesn't work for like fluffy no. like that's something that an adult took the responsibility of taking in an illegal egg and trying to raise an illegal animal um that was super dangerous and it was literally injuring children yeah. and the second that it bit ron haggard should have figured a way to get that way far away like instantly yeah. That should not have ever been on those kids. Um, Like, as an adult, if I had, like, an animal that injured an 11-year-old child, I would be horrified. Like, that would be... Obviously, like, I love animals. I would never want to be like, let's just get rid of it or something. But, like, you need to find a way to safely have animals where it's not going to injure children or anybody. Um, And so it's, it's very unfortunate that, like... They had to take full responsibility for finding a safe place for Nor- Norbert slash Norberta. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's something that, like, initially it is a fun adventure and it's a cool thing. And they're going up to the highest tower with the invisibility cloak. And then Draco gets in trouble and it's, it's a fun time. Yeah. But, like, as an adult, <laughs> it's so concerning. Yeah, it's uh these are things that because you start seeing i think these are things that can actually hurt you long term mm-hmm. it's not just i got into a, a a fight with a kid at school because he stole my friend's toy which you know that that can have an impact but that's very different than my adult friend smuggled an illegal dragon into the school and now i have to figure out how to keep him from getting in trouble with Dumbledore or the law. <laughs> That's Yeah, by illegally smuggling yeah. it out of a school is... that is literally the safest, most secure place. <laughs> Living, breathing in the contraband. That's a big deal. I think it makes <laughs> me think of what a good outlet Care of Magical Creatures teaching is for Hagrid because he has like a yeah. a framework that he can operate within so that he doesn't, you know, maybe he goes a little too far sometimes like with the... Um, I almost said Thestrals, but the hippogriffs in the first, in, uh, for the third years. But, you know. I mean, it's not his fault that he trusted Draco to not be a dumbass. No, that's, that, that was all Draco's fault. Like, it was all still within the framework, regardless. Um, you know, sometimes you teach kids long division a little too soon and yeah, sometimes that hurts. Yeah. Sometimes you need to do some book learning first and then you can do the field trip. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) um oh it still hurts me though like thinking about whenever he's a teacher because i just think about i think about that and i also think about like whenever draco's making fun of the books Mm. and it just makes me so sad (laughs) he's like i thought they were funny and i'm just like oh (laughs) they are they're perfect you're perfect (laughs) it like oh it genuinely makes me really really sad i think honestly the saddest part of the books for me was not any of the character deaths or anything. It was when Harry, Ron, and Hermione realized that they weren't taking care of magical creatures anymore, and Hagrid was sad about it. Like yeah. that was that was much harder for me to deal with than anything else that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fair. I just want Hagrid to be happy. He deserves so much. He does. You know, I was noticed. I was just watching Deathly Hollows, mm-hmm. and 
the scene where they're like lifting up the the tent for the wedding i never realized it before but um hagrid has his umbrella out and he's helping it like killed me (laughs) (laughs) i was like he's getting to use his magic (laughs) he's a part of this world (laughs) thank you everyone for listening you can join us next week to discuss chapter 15 the forbidden forest in the meantime, you can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, we are Beyond the Veil Pod, and on Twitter, we are Beyond the Veil MN. Frogs bite? They do. And it's not like... Do they have teeth? Um, I think they have really small teeth. I'm gonna make a really bad decision and Google frog teeth. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I hate it. Oh, there's a lot of photoshopped things that are bad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now I'm curious. Oh, my goodness. Oh my god, oh. those are terrifying. Oh, but they do have little teeth. Mm-hmm. Okay, most frogs have teeth, although usually only on their upper jaw. Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> I'm never going to get those images of the human teeth photoshopped <laughs> onto the frogs. It's living in my mind forever now. <laughs> so we definitely did not put any money in that Coke can and definitely did not take home any scorpion or roadrunner statues. So I do not have any contraband from Mexico at all. I promise. Just don't get stuck. <laughs> it's beer. <laughs>